0: Welcome to Fetch the Smelling Salts. I'm Alice Nagel. And
1: I'm Kimberly Marsh. And this is our podcast all about historical dramas from movies and TV shows to miniseries from every era and all around the world.
0: (sighs) That's a big sigh. (laughs) Yes. I don't normally come in so cold. Uh, I apologize. I just finished jury duty today. I know, that's like, that is so crazy. No, I was on a jury for a trial that started last week, and it ended today. Not today, today, because we record this, you know, a little while before things (laughs) come out. Yeah. But yeah, it was at the high court. I was on a jury for a trial about crime. It was a doozy, right? Yeah, it was a bummer. So now I'm just... if it weren't for my excellent 1932 era drank right here i would be a mess well it's a good thing
1: we're we're, you know covering a fun kind of non-heavy movie yes one of my favorite movies and i had never seen it so i've never
0: i'd heard all about it and i'd never seen it until like you know just a few days ago i don't understand this i don't understand why more people don't know about this movie, and love this movie. Because we're doing Gosford Park. Yes. 2001, right? 2001. Yes. Yes. 2001. Classic. This is the Julian Fellows joint. This is the thing that skyrocketed Julian Fellows into, like, the public imagination. It is the precursor to Downton Abbey. It got Oscars. All sorts. Yeah, and it was like amazing
1: ensemble cast, like a hell a yeah. lot of characters that that got me. Because I was like, wait a minute, that's so many people involved.
0: It's a lot of people, but is it more people than any kind of like Agatha Christie? <sighs> no, Joey? no,
1: no, 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 no. It's great. Like, So yeah, I describe it as like if Downton Abbey and like an Agatha
0: Christie story had a baby. Yeah, yeah. it's brilliant. And yet yeah. people sleep on it. So no. stop not... Loving Gosford Park and watching it all the time.
1: No, this is so fun. It's really, really good. So, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. And thank you very
0: much. For <laughs> I'm just it like me. coming in, just sighing and then berating our listeners. It's like, come on, guys. This is what people come here for. So, the film is set in like the early
1: 1930s. So
0: you Specifically, know. November
1: 1932, right? Oh, yeah, yes. That's That is correct. November 1932. Picture this. A car drives up to the home of Lady Constance, Countess of Trenton. So the car picks Lady Constance up um, together with her maid Mary and drives them to um, the weekend shooting party of the wealthy Sir William McCordell who lives with his wife, Lady Sylvia, and their daughter Isabel. So along the way, Lady Constance you know, and Maid and Driver encounter other guests, um, the actor Ivor Novello and American film producer Morris Wiseman and his valet, uh, Henry Denton, played by a pretty boy, Ryan Philippe. Okay, so there's a scurry of servants and suitcases as everyone arrives at the house and we are told that below stairs, in quotes, i.e. the servants' quarters, all their servants are kind of like renamed after their employers. So for example, like Lady Trentham's maid, Mary, becomes Miss Trentham. Henry Denton becomes like Mr. Wiseman. So this all makes this all very confusing. And this is, at this point, I was like texting Alice. I was like, I don't know who's who. So to help everyone understand, because obviously, you know, it confused me like hell for the first 10 minutes. Here's a summary of the main characters from our dear friend Wikipedia. All right.
0: Did you okay. know there's not a chart? I tried to look for, like, is you know, a like a family tree yeah. thing. Yeah. To post on the Instagram. Maybe we'll, we'll have Well, you to make should our make own. a chart. We need to do one. I am now a locally renowned graphic artist. There you go. Come on. Nick, it's a pretty, pretty chart. Okay.
1: And make, sure, and make sure it goes above stairs and below stairs. Okay. Okay. Because apparently, so that's how, like, Wikipedia has, like, divided this list of characters. So above stairs, you got William McCordle, who's, like, a baronet, wealthy industrialist. So you got his wife, Lady Sylvia. So she's apparently the daughter of the Earl of Carton, who's like an old but impoverished family. And then you have their daughter Isabel, right? And then you have, we already introduced Constance, Countess of Trentham, who's Lady
0: Sylvia's aunt. We have Raymond, Lord Stockbridge. So Constance Trentham, Maggie Smith's character. Yes. She's Sylvia's aunt, which yes. makes her also Lavinia and Louisa's, Louisa's. aunt. Yes. Okay. That makes right. sense. I thought she was William McWordell's sister. I see. And that's why she had the living from him. So she is the aunt of the three daughters, Louisa, Correct. Sylvia, and L-Lavinia. Lavinia. Right.
1: So, yeah. So she's the aunt. Speaking of Louisa and Lavinia, as you said, they're the sisters of Sylvia, right? So they are married, respectively, So uh, to Lord Stockbridge, Raymond, Lord Stockbridge. So he's married to Louisa, and then Lavinia is married to Lieutenant Commander Anthony Meredith,
0: who is broke and desperate. Played by Tom Hollander. yes. So Short King, Hottie, also yes, plays Mr. True. Collins in Pride and Prejudice,
1: 2005. Ah, there we go. So, like I said, ensemble cast. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, right. So, we have those people. Now, we have another couple. The, we have Freddie Nesbitt, who is apparently a son of a baron and recently unemployed. He, You know, so he has no money either. He's married to his wife, Mabel we we'll later find out is the daughter of a glove factory owner,
0: grew up in Leicester, and... Also, Claudie Blakely, mm-hmm. who played Charlotte Lucas, who got married to Mr. Collins in the 2005 uh-huh. Pride and Prejudice. See? Yeah. There Reunited at last. Aww. Oh, Oh, so I mean, has- well, not really, because this really. happened in
1: 2001. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's like a foreshadowing. Yes. Okay, so Freddie married Mabel, thinking that she was going to be wealthy. She wasn't. So he's unhappy, right? And then already I've mentioned, like, you know, glamorous Ivor Novello, who's apparently Sir William's cousin. So He's some sort of film star. He brings with him, like, the only American, or so we think, um, a Morris, Morris Wiseman. Uh, So he's an American film director. So he comes around. He comes along. And then we also have, like, the later guest, a Lord Rupert Standish, who's kind of, like, courting Elizabeth. Sorry, courting Isabel. He also has no money. Penniless, younger son of Marques. And there's Jeremy Blonde, who's just, like, his friend. All their poshos.
0: Be all losing the our money in
1: 1932. Exactly. So all those, you know, broke poshos, right? So now we have below stairs, you have Mary, whose last name I am not even going to try to pronounce because I'm going to massacre it. So I'm just going to call her Mary. So she's, you know, the lady's maid to the Countess of Trentham. Then we have Robert Parks, who is Lord Stockbridge's valet, um... And so he, yeah, so so that's Robert Parks. Then you have Mrs. Wilson, housekeeper, uh, Mrs. Croft the cook, Jennings, the butler, Elsie, who's like the head housemate, Probert, Williams, uh, valet, George, like the bitchy first footman, and then Henry Denton, who is like the valet to Morris Wiseman. And you have like a few other characters, I'm not even going to bother. So many servants. So many servants. Just a bunch of bunch a lot of other servants, okay? Yeah, I know we got like two other people coming in later on, but I'll get to them. So, right. As I said, you know, everyone's coming in, getting settled, scurry, scurry, scurry. Right, so before dinner, Freddy like surreptitiously pulls Isabel away, kind of like forcefully like asking her if she has spoken to her father on his behalf. So later on, we find find out that he wants her to get him a job. And he's basically blackmailing her. Presumably, they had some sort of an affair. Also, that's alluded to.
0: And otherwise, I don't even know how he's connected to
1: anybody there. Exactly. So I don't really know. Yeah. So somehow or other, he's there. He had some sort of an affair with Isabel. He's trying to blackmail her to get a job with her dad. Meanwhile, below stairs, Elsie befriends the inexperienced Mary and essentially spills the tea on everyone, right? So this is how we, we kind of find out you know, all the juice. So for example, it is through her that we find out that Lieutenant Commander and Anthony Meredith and wife, Lavinia, they're broke. And so is, you know, the Countess, Maggie Smith. She's broke too. So, okay, fancy people have their fancy dinner, while the servants have theirs downstairs. So now, interestingly too, the servants are also seated according to rank, but not their rank, rather the rank of their employers, which is very, very weird. Anyway, while they're having dinner, we find out that Robert Parks, right, who's the valley of Lord Stockbridge, um, we find out that he was raised in an orphanage. So that little tidbit is just kind of like, you know, dropped in there. And everyone seems suspicious of Henry Denton because he keeps asking all of these like weird ass questions. Yeah, okay? so, you know, no one seems to like him. Also, Mary, who is apparently Scottish herself, doesn't buy his fake Scottish accent, like, for a minute. So, okay, after dinner is over, we find out that there is a silver carving knife that's gone missing. Dum-dum-dum! Dum-dum-dum! Exactly. So later in the evening, everyone is sexing around the house. So, for example, like... (laughs) I mean, like, Mary walks in and one of the kitchen maids having sex with one of the fancy guests in this, like, ironing room. And then Denton, you know, has his little thrift with Lady Sylvia, much to the disappointment of Wiseman, whom, you know, we are led to believe that he's also been having an affair with. It's all over the place, right? And then, so all that stuff's happening. The next day, the men go pheasant shooting. Oh, the pheasant hunt. Oh my god, it's
0: horribly drawn out, like, pheasant hunt. We watch so many pheasants apparently get shot out of the sky. It's crazy! I looked up on IMDb some IMDb fun facts, which we'll, you know, hear later. But one of them was that there is no animal rights label on this film. So that means that these pheasants that we see getting shot are actually being shot out of the sky. That is so fucked up. It's a up, pheasant man. snuff film.
1: I mean, like, how many pheasants dying do you need to see? Like, they
0: really zeroed in on that. You know, it was at least four. It was between four and yeah. six pheasants that we watch getting shot. And so, I know that Gosford Park is a murder mystery, but I think it's really important for us to remember that the first murder victims in this mm-hmm. movie are the pheasants. Oh, pheasants. They are nameless. Yeah. But we witnessed their demise. Mm-hmm. I feel like we should give them due respect. I think so.
1: I think we need to have like a, you know, just a moment of silence.
0: Okay. But also, do you remember that restaurant that I was working at in Oxford on Troll Street? Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they had
0: all that farm to table stuff. Oh, yeah. And then all the staff, you know, you could take stuff home at the, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, especially mm-hmm. if there was extra. So one day we had pheasant. And there was enough extra that I got to take, you know, like a whole portion home yeah. that I had later for my dinner. And I bit down on this piece of, I, I won't call it buckshot. Is it pheasant shot? Anyway, it was a, it was a little bullet. Oh, my God. And it actually chipped my tooth. It was this tiny little thing. And I still have, you know- the chip out of my tooth and I call it the pheasant's revenge. Bloody hell. So yeah, I don't know if I like pheasants. But I don't think I can ever eat a pheasant again. I mean, from the pheasants that we know were always watching Constance Chatterley and her lover, from the moment they hatched as little pheasant chicks, and these pheasants that we see at the end of their lives, I feel like we've accidentally developed like Kind of a through line here. Yeah, yeah, I know. Like, I'm just—I'll be forever I'm traumatized. Pheasant, yeah, pheasants are kind of growing on me a lot. Yeah. So pheasant shooting, and then
1: a stray shot grazes Sir Williams's ear, and needless to say, he's pretty put out. You know, by it.
0: <gasps> Do you think it
1: was a pheasant? <gasps> he's like, motherfucker! Pew! 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 pew. Yeah. He missed though this is so. for
0: Johnny <laughs>
1: <laughs> so yeah you know he wasn't he was as, as shitty a as shot as Sir William's was so there you go yes. so Sir
0: William can't shoot he doesn't actually
1: shoot any pheasants yeah so he actually doesn't apparently he nicked one yeah he's like oh I nicked one I nicked one
0: so it's more like attempted pheasant murder yeah I like how you know neither of us are vegetarians, but here we are just like losing (laughs) our tiny minds over (laughs) over some fowl getting killed. Hypocritical,
1: (laughs) (laughs) okay. So anyway, so the fancy women come to have brunch with the fancy men, and at the shooting party, at a shooting party, and what do they have for brunch? Weird ass
0: bloody Marys, right? So they have this picture of. Bloody Mary mix. I actually wasn't sure what it was. And I texted you, it was like, is that yeah. just the worst Bloody Mary I've ever seen in my life? Because it's just, it looks like just a pitcher of straight tomato juice yeah. that they're pouring into these tumblers uh, with little like sad stalks of celery. And it makes for a good like visual when someone like knocks it out of someone else's mm-hmm. hand and it like splatters this like red liquid all over the floor. But I actually did a little bit of a deep dive after that because I had to know like, when was the Bloody Mary invented? Mm-hmm. And it turns out that I don't have the article pulled up right now, so I'm to <laughs> do that. So like with a lot of cocktails, there's some dispute about when it was actually invented, who invented it, what it was originally called. Mm-hmm. But I think the most common story is that it was invented in 1921 mm. by a barman by the name of Fernand Petiot. Oh, I'm so sorry, everyone who speaks French. Um, But he was a Parisian, uh, mm-hmm. but working at the New York bar in Paris. And he was said to have mixed the first vodka and tomato cocktail. And that recipe also included a bit of salt, a bit of pepper, a bit of Worcester sauce, and um, like the squeeze of a lemon wedge. Mm-hmm. So that is what I have recreated for tonight's drink, and we can post the recipe for it. We're calling oh, yes. it We're calling it the Red Pheasant because um, back when this was invented, some people didn't like the name Bloody Mary, mm. and I like to imagine that the cast of Gosford Park wouldn't like to go around calling their drinks Bloody Mary, so instead they were called Red Snappers.
1: Oh, I see. So we can
0: call ours a Red Pheasant, but it's basically just a a really early version of a without Mary. With the Basco sauce. Yeah, so it's not spicy, it's not that flavorful. It's basically mm. like a, a bland cold tomato soup with alcohol in it.
1: So yeah, so like gazpacho with vodka.
0: Yeah. But and then you have to include just one very sad trimmed down celery stock <laughs> in just a, you know, a short tumbler. Oh, and preferably you should then smash it on the ground. But no, it's pretty tasty. It's like it's inoffensive. I'd share it with a pheasant.
1: I mean, I really like spicy Bloody Marys, so I really, really like it. I was going to make this this cocktail. You sent me the recipe, and we were going to
0: make it, but Aldi. Aldi did you dirty? Aldi did me dirty. You cycled all the way there, didn't you? I cycled all the way there. I
1: braved the impending rain. I was, you know, I was messaging you. I was like, "Dude, it's dark, dark skies, man. It's gonna rain, but I'm gonna do it." I was like, exactly. do it for the red pheasant. Do it. Exactly. And I love my Aldi. I love Aldi. And it's a nice big Aldi near my house too. Go all the way there. Nope. No bloody vodka, for one thing. They had vanilla vodka, but that, that ain't going to go well. Mm-mm. You know, and then no tomato juice. But I was, you know, I was like, it's okay. Even if they didn't have any tomato juice, I was going to go hardcore, man. I was going to go buy, you know, cans of like tomatoes and tomato juice juice essentially and strain them off. You were gonna stamp on them in your bathtub. Exactly. Allah like Lucille Ball doing that with the grapes, but mm, deep cut. no no. So yeah, so but you know what? Main thing? No vodka. So instead I am drinking a martini bianco on the rocks. I'm not you know, I'm not sure if it's a thing, but I like it. Essentially it's just vermouth. I thought it
0: you know, it it, it captured the essence of the time. I think people were drinking just vermouth and ice in the 30s. Yeah, that's what I, I like to think. So that's what I'm
1: drinking. So anyway, okay, back to the, um, the brunch. So they're drinking their, you know, their red snappers, <laughs> their bloody pheasants, essentially. And that's when so Williams decides to tell Anthony that he's pulling out, like he's pulling his investment. So basically leaving Anthony in financial ruin. He's upset, but William gives no fucks. Later that evening, Sylvia also informs Lady T that William is also planning on stopping her allowance. So she's upset as well. So everybody hates William. Not a nice dude. So during dinner that night, Sylvia has a go at William. And Elsie, um, you know, the head housemaid, comes to his defense, thus revealing their affair. So she runs off. William leaves the room angrily as well. But the rest of the party, they're like, eh, oh well gonna gather the drawing room to play cards and listen to Ivor play the piano meanwhile like Maggie Smith is like she's just going at it with all these bitchy remarks I love it I love
0: her yeah this is where we see her future like Downton Abbey character really come alive she's so good so in the middle of that right Anthony Robert
1: so Robert the and footman George they all slip away Meanwhile, uh, Mrs. Wilson goes to check on William to bring bring him some coffee. So, you know, he's like, nope, I don't want any. He pushes the cup away, breaks it, and says, I want whiskey instead. So she gives him that. We then have the murder scene. So, you know, we see this bottom half of a man putting on some muddy boots that one of the shooting party uh, has left. And then he retrieves his hidden knife. And then he goes on to stab what seems to be like a passed out or like sleeping William. So eventually, the body is discovered by one of Sylvia's sisters. Don't ask me which one, because rich bitches be looking the same to me at this point.
0: (laughs) No, like, like for real, okay? Well, to be fair, Lavinia, she's supposed to be like a nice one. She's like a nice rich bitch because she's married to Tom Hollander. Yeah, that's true. And And they're in love. She's one, Yeah.
1: Yeah, okay, fine. Nice rich bitch, but still. Well, poor rich bitch, right? So, you know, she ain't got no money. She finds the body, screams, ah, police are called. Enter bumbling Inspector Sock Thompson. You know, his very competent Constable Dexter. And who plays, you know, Inspector Thompson? Stephen
0: Fry! I love it. And I love just hearkening back to our Blackadder episode that he reminds me so much of. His character, Lord Wellington.
1: Yeah, he's so good. So they arrive. Meanwhile, Henry confesses to, you know, Jennings that he's really an American actor preparing for an upcoming role in uh, Wiseman's movie set in England. Everyone is pissed at him, but at least their suspiciousness or suspicions were somewhat valid in any case, it is eventually discovered that William was poisoned before being stabbed. So we have not one but two murderers. Somehow, huh? I guess one is an actual murderer, one's like a wannabe murderer, <laughs> um, or oh, attempted murderer. So while oh, it's all mirrored in the pheasant hunt, I know, man, foreshadowing. <laughs> so while discussing reasons someone might have for killing William, so we find out a bit of his history. Such as the fact that he used to own a factory and had a history of seducing or raping female factory workers and then forcing those who became pregnant to give up their babies or else lose their jobs. But yeah, not a nice man indeed. So eventually, Mary deduces that Robert Parks was, you know, had killed William.
0: Oh, it's such a bummer because she had a crush on him.
1: I know. I you mean, know, there was this throughout the whole thing. There was this like little subtle flirtation between them. It's kind of cute. So she goes to confront him, and he reveals that he is in fact the illegitimate son of William, who had given him up to an orphanage two days after his birth, and that as far as he knows, his mother, one of the factory workers, died soon after. However, he reveals that he did not poison William. He stabbed him.
0: So who is the real killer? Poor Mary is standing there like, you didn't really mean to kill him. And he's like, I did. And she's like, but you're so hot. And he's like, murderer though. Yep.
1: He's like, eh. So interrogations over Inspector, (laughs) I wrote here, Inspector Bumbledore. (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) I mean, Inspector Thompson, who never gets to say his name. It was so funny. And that's like the running joke, right? He never gets to say his name. So Inspector Thompson says everyone is free to leave the manor and the guests and servants begin to depart. As is happening, we find out from Lady Trentham and Sylvia that uh, Mrs. Croft, who's like, you know, the cook, Mrs. Croft and Mrs. Wilson have had this like long-standing feud. And Mrs. Wilson's surname used to be Parks, rings a bell. Mm Mm-hmm. So, okay, so before she leaves, Mary goes to speak to Mrs. Wilson, who basically tells her that, yep, she and Mrs. Croft are sisters. And they also both had children by William while working at his factory. Now, Mrs. Croft, her sister, insisted on keeping her baby, and then she lost her job. But then the poor child ended up dying anyway. Uh, Mrs. Wilson, however gave up her baby and then but then after finding out that Robert had grown up in an orphanage and then seeing this photo that he had of his like apparently mother or something she realizes that you know he was actually her long lost son and then smart lady that she is she's also realized that basically he had kind of you know contrived a plan to take revenge on William and in a last ditch attempt to protect the child that she was forced to give up she realizes that she had to kill William before Robert did. So essentially, she poisons. So she was the one who poisoned William, ensuring that William would be dead by the time Robert came to, quote-unquote, kill him. In the end, Mrs. Wilson and Mrs. Croft kind of like reconcile, and a bewildered Mary just like says goodbye to Robert and leaves with her employer. The end. Watch the movie, guys. Lots of, you know, little bits here and there, wonderful bits of dialogue, wonderful bits of intrigue.
0: It's an ensemble cast. It's brilliant. It's Oscar winner because it is what? Layered. Yes, exactly. So
1: so anyway, this is just, you know, as
0: quick a summary as I could give. So there is so much I can tell you about the background of this movie, the production of the movie, some fun facts in the movie, Mm -hmm. because not only... Does this have a brilliant star-studded ensemble cast? It has so many layers. Tell me. Okay, so first of all, did you know that there's a real actor in the 20s and 30s called Ivor Novello? Oh, no way! Yep. So that's Jeremy Northam's character. He was a really well-known matinee idol. I'm not sure what that means, but I think it means he sits and plays the piano and kind of does a little croon. He's a singer oh. and a composer.
1: Oh, do you think he's one of those, like, you know, days of our lives kind of characters? Like, you know,
0: daytime TV? No, I, this was before. Oh, this was like TV. This is the 20s. Oh, yeah. So he's, huh. like, sitting in lounges. Ooh. That's what he does. He goes in at matinee time, which I think mm. is 4 o'clock. Yeah. So he... Sits down for a little four o'clock piano play and a croon. He was also the star of an Alfred Hitchcock film called The Lodger in 1927, which did very well, unsurprisingly, it being an Alfred Hitchcock film. But because it did so well and talkies were coming out, he then starred in a talkie remake of The Lodger, which mm-hmm. came out in 1932. Which was then a flop. So when they're talking about his most recent film, Flopping, and Maggie Smith is getting all those digs in, (sighs) she's referring to a real film that that Ivor Novella was in. That's so cool. So Morris Weisman, Mm -hmm. played by Bob Balabam, Mm -hmm. just a brilliant character actor. I love all of his deadpanning. I love that he is just on the phone to America
1: all the time
0: (laughs) throughout like the entire like commission of the crime. And when the police come in and everything, he has no idea what's going on because he's just like talking on the phone about this film that he's doing research for. He's in England at this manor house for, he says, a new Charlie Chan movie, which is going to be a murder mystery going to be called charlie chan in london um a murder mystery set in an english manor house did you know this movie is real no okay i need to watch that too it is called charlie chan in london okay it came out in 1934 it is a mystery set in an english manor house and it features alan mowbray and ray millen who are two actors that he mentions Yes. So all the people that he is talking about when he's like, oh, can we get this person? Can we get Claudette Colbert? Is she English? Mm-hmm. She sounds English. She's a real actress. And the joke there is, she's not English. She was born in France when she grew <gasps> up in America. So <laughs> sick joke there. Yeah. Sick burn. Morris Wiseman is not a real person, but he's mm-hmm. maybe meant to be a stand-in for producer uh, Winfield Sheenan or... Sydney Kent, who is a writer, also people they mention. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's also interesting that they keep making these kind of jokey references to, ooh, maybe the butler did it, or this is just one of those classic murder mysteries where mm-hmm. you know everyone's kind of trapped in a manor house and it's a dark night or there's a storm. So people are already familiar with the genre of the murder mystery because this, of course, is set during the golden age of detective fiction which kind of reached its peak in the 1920s and 30s. Just as a little aside, in 1932, that's when Agatha Christie novel Peril at End House came out. So that would have been fresh in the minds of any Agatha Christie readers at a time. That is a Poirot novel that takes place in a stately home. Uh So the film itself, I mentioned, multi-award winner. I've only written down the Oscars, but it got nominated for just about everything under the sun this year, BAFTAs, Australian things, Tanzanian things. I don't know if really Tanzanian things, but maybe. (laughs) Um, So it was nominated for Best Picture, Best Supporting Actress for Helen Mirren and Maggie Smith. Oh, I love them both. Best Director for Director Robert Altman, Best Art Direction, and Best Costume Design. And the costumes were apparently designed by Jenny Bieren, for those of you who know about costumes. And it won Best Screenplay for that year, for 2001. Oh, very good. So it was, as I mentioned, directed by Robert Altman. It was written by Julian Fellows. And apparently, they took a bit of a risk on Julian Fellows. And it was Bob Balaban, who plays Morris Wiseman, Mm -hmm. who convinced Robert Altman to hire Julian Fellows to write the script and he did it real quick and they loved it straight away. And this is his first big major project. And that's what basically skyrocketed him to Downton Abbey. And I think I also mentioned that Downton Abbey originally was going to be a spinoff. So that's why you see basically just Maggie Smith's character gets pulled into yeah. the Downton Abbey universe. Also
1: George, right? I think like I kind of saw some like, you know, you know, you could definitely see like the Jennings and the Mrs. Wilson and yeah. then like bitchy footman George, Yeah. know? Yeah,
0: so actually, so Richard E. Grant and Jeremy Swift mm-hmm. are both in Downton Abbey as servants. Mm-hmm. So just a few other little interesting things that I found about the film itself. Robert Altman wanted to create this effect of being in the party wherever you were. Mm-hmm. So if, if you were milling around, you wanted to get the effect that you weren't just having the camera focus on people talking individually.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You wanted more of a party atmosphere. So in all of these scenes, the camera is always moving a little bit. And he actually had the actors use portable microphones instead of using boom mics oh. so that you get this overlapping dialogue all the time. So you'll have the main people talking, mm-hmm. but then you'll also always hear other conversations going on in the background.
1: Yes, I noticed that. I th- yeah, I thought that was really cool. I mean, like I didn't notice the um, the camera, but like I noticed that you know, like the cool thing about like hearing all the dialogue here and there, and yeah,
0: it makes it goddamn atmospheric. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. He also hired a retired cook, a retired valet, retired housekeeper as consultants to work with the actors the all the downstairs actors so they oh. could, like gain from their wisdom and stuff do you know
1: if the whole like arranging the downstairs actors you know the downstairs staff right by rank according to the rank of their
0: employers was like a thing yes i'm pretty certain it was because julian fellows was apparently renowned for having this encyclopedic knowledge of mm. all of the little quirks and traditions about what went on in a stately home. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that they were kind of going by the old ways, as Mrs. Wilson puts it, Helen Mirren's mm-hmm. character puts it, shows that they're that they're doing things by a certain tradition. Right. That maybe was fading away by mm-hmm. the 30s, mm-hmm. which in a way is a shame because we still have a lot of rich bitches out there. exactly. But the difference is that they're not doing kind of cool traditional things anymore which kind of makes me wonder like what's the point of you it feels like rich british people were just here so that they could do weird traditional things all the time and be fodder for period dramas and now that they're not providing us with that content anymore yeah that's going to be the last thing to die out is just shooting stuff yep in boots. Yep, they are like,
1: you know, everything else will die out, but nope, nope, we gotta be shooting shit. So we'll still we have our
0: barber and our mm-hmm. guns. Yes. That's my posh accent. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when Jeremy Northam's character, Ivor Novello, is playing the piano, mm-hmm. that is actually his brother playing the piano. Oh. Christopher Northam, who is a trained classical pianist. I like to imagine that he was just under the piano, and he was, like, reaching his hands up, like, that. <laughs> just doing it without even looking. Or oh, oh. what if he was behind him,
1: right? And he was doing you know, the a weird thing where you're, like, you put your And hands- Jeremy
0: Northam had his hands behind his back. Yes. And he had his hands out in front of him. He's like, <laughs> And he was like, hey, Mabel. Yeah. <laughs> and then he just slaps himself in the face. <laughs> So lastly, this obviously has like a connection to Upstairs, Downstairs, Mm -hmm. Um, and it actually has a literal connection because Dame Eileen Atkins, who plays Mrs. Croft, was a co-creator of the TV show Upstairs, Downstairs from the 70s, and Meg Owen, who is another Downstairs character, starred in it for like three years or something. Oh, there we go. That's really cool. I didn't see I I knew nothing. So what I'm saying, people sleep on this movie. What I do like about it and one thing that I don't like as much about Downton Abbey is yeah. that the people in this film are genuinely horrible. Yes. Like you're really rooting for so few of them.
1: Yeah. I mean, I like that, you know, like even the yeah, you're right, even the Maggie, the Maggie Smith character, right? You know, I mean, she's she, she's giving it her, Maggie Smith's giving it her all, but I think there wasn't, she has more room to develop a character in Duncan Abbey.
0: Right. And this, she yeah. also has, because she has no money and she's reliant on Sir William, she has this kind of pathetic quality to her, mm. which makes her cutting remarks seem eh, not yeah. as charming. Yeah. I don't know why, if you get just Maggie Smith in a position of power, it's really fun to watch her cut people down. But here she way. has this kind of desperation about her as well, which yeah. just, like, doesn't suit her. Really, the only no. one I'm rooting for is Tom Hollander when he's sitting down in the kitchen <gasps> eating tiny little spoonfuls of jam. Oh, bless it. like, oh, sorry, you're, that- you're a little tiny spoonful of jam. Like, I'm just, just tasting kinda- your jam. And she's like, baby, you taste all my jam. Oh, I got plastic. this whole thing for the butler.
1: Yeah, but I like you too.
0: Also, you know what? You know
1: what? This movie's missing. Where are all the dogs?
0: That's a really good question. We do see some dogs carrying away some dead pheasants. That's sorry true. to bring that back to your mind. Maybe oh, yeah. that's why you blocked them out. That's right. But you're right. We well, Kim. You actually haven't mentioned one of the primary characters. Of this film, which is the little dog, whose name I don't know. Oh my god, there is a dog!
1: Jeez Louise! Oh my... Pip! Pip! I think his name is Pip. I can't believe we just
0: went through all that Pip erasure... And here oh. you are sitting back saying, "Where are the dogs?" I
1: apologize. I love dogs. Okay, so yeah, no, I think like <laughs> I loved him. He was he yeah, and I did. He cracked me up. I mean, although each time, so William was feeding him, I was like, "Don't do that, man! Don't do that."
0: It made me a little nervous because knowing that they shot real pheasants, yeah. are they really gonna you know have any qualms about feeding real pie to a dog?
1: I was like, "You're killing this dog,"
0: you know, and You're then definitely <laughs> gonna have a tummy
1: ache. The bit at the end, so like after William dies, and then everyone's like, get rid of, you know, like, like every time the dog's in the room, was like, someone take this wretched animal, someone take this wretched animal. And I just love the right at the end, like Elsie, she's like, I'll take this dog. And it's like, dog's just like hanging out in her like a little carpet bag.
0: And he's going to go be a Hollywood star with her. exactly. You They're going to get on really screen. well. So yeah, yeah, I
1: like that. Um, also, you know, all the cigarettes that they that they, they, they smoke one after another. It made know, like, me kind of want to s-
0: smoke a cigarette in a bath.
1: Yeah, she was just like, oh, so, you know, very resume looking, you know, just like hanging out, smoking a cigarette in the bath. I, I like how she just like barges in, just like, yep, yeah, sorry, I'm just gonna, you know, take a bath with you, right? Is the water warm? No. Oh, well, guess I'll have to use your dirty yep. ass water to bathe in. Yeah, and just ash in it. Yeah. That was it. I can't believe it, I forgot about the dog, the poor dog. I can't believe it either. Also, I what I do love, I love the fact that it had like the secret door in the um in the library. Oh. Remember there was that oh, yeah. door yeah, and then, like, the door that, like, again, Inspector Bumbledore is, like, going around and then, like, just ignoring every fucking thing. And then meanwhile, this Dexter guy is, like, doo, 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 doo. I'm just going to be, like, getting some evidence. And he's, like, ooh, hello. If I push this shelf, it's a door. Secret doorway, you know? So, and I was, like, damn,
0: I want a secret doorway. First of all, I want a library, and then yes. I want
1: like a secret door.
0: Yeah, you want a library, and you want the only entrance to be secret. Yes, exactly.
1: Yes, that was that was really cool.
0: Um, One last thing mm-hmm. that I want to ask you about. So mm-hmm. we talked about this scene where Mary, she's coming to terms with the fact that her crush stabbed someone who he did not know was dead. Yeah for the purposes of of hopefully doing murder on him. Um, and then after they have this conversation, he comes up and kisses her. Oh, yeah. Did we need that kiss? What do you think of that kiss? <sighs> yeah,
1: I mean, I guess it was like the culmination of the sexual tension between them. But like realistically, it was just kind of, yeah, it was out of place.
0: Yeah, it was a little... It was certainly unnecessary.
1: Yeah, actually, on that lines, the scene where Mary she she gets lost, right? Yeah, and she gets lost, and then she ends up in like the male servants area, right? And then Henry Denton essentially like assaults her, you know. Yeah. And didn't I was need like, you didn't need that, right? You know, again, there were so many things that I mean. There's so many little scenes in the movie that serve a purpose, right? That, you know, there's just bits about, like, character intrigue, really good, you know, witty, interesting dialogue, um, showing bits of history, historical accuracies, blah, blah, blah. But that scene, I was like, look, we already know he's a dick, you know? That, that was, yeah. I, I had a note in here that was like, really? We didn't need to have that. That was just unnecessary.
0: Unnecessary forceful kissing.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So last last thing okay because i've been at the high court doing my jury duties Mm -hmm. i wonder how the rest of this investigation actually would have turned out Mm. um, and if anyone would have been wrongfully convicted because stephen fry detective says that he always gets his man but clearly he's not going to figure out the real story he doesn't no. even suspect any one of the servants. Yeah. He says he's only interested in people who had a real connection yes. to Sir William. So my guess is that it gets pinned on Freddie Nesbitt. You know what? He's an asshole. I don't yeah. really care. So he was sending threatening letters to Isabel. Yes. And we know that he he was like badgering. Yeah, he was badgering He Isabel. was badgering he, Sir he William he and the family.
1: He wrote her that, that, yeah, that letter.
0: He's, like, not connected to the family yeah. somehow, yeah. so he kind of lifts right out. And, and
1: incidentally, <laughs> he was one of those people who, oh, sorry, sorry.
0: No, 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 go on. Yeah,
1: yeah I mean, he he was one of the three who, who had disappeared, right? Wasn't it? Yes. Freddie, Anthony, and George.
0: He disappeared, I think, just to go write another stupid, threatening, threatening. letter. No, yeah. He, like, I'm going to tell your dad that we smooshed.
1: <laughs> oh, my God, sorry, I just. Oh, while he's doing that. So he's doing that. George is killing someone or thinking he's killing someone. And Anthony is just sat there eating jazz.
0: Those are the three types of men.
1: (laughs) Oh, my God. So
0: this is my headcanon. Freddie Nesbitt gets done for the murder. He gets wrongfully convicted for this Mm -hmm. murder. So then he goes away. That leaves Mabel Nesbitt Mm. free to... Get it on with Ivor. I think she's going to open up a... No, she's not going to get it on with Ivor. Maybe she... No, no. He went back to California. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, she's going to open up a glove shop Mm -hmm. with Isabel. Yes. So they're going to hang out at the house together. Yeah. And she can become further friends with Tom Hollander, a.k.a. Mr. Collins. And then instead of a romantic relationship, they mm-hmm. can become besties.
1: And business partners also, right? Because he wanted to, he wanted
0: someone to be yes, investing so in he, his business. Yeah. There we go. Army gloves. Yeah. <sighs> so Louisa mm-hmm. is all cut up about Sir William's death. Maybe mm-hmm. she could die of grief. And then her husband... And Sylvia, Sir William's Mm -hmm. wife, they could get together just because why not? Why not? Now that she has the house. Yeah. And um, that means that their servants would get together. So we would have mother and son reunited. Aww. And then eventually she would tell him the truth and then they would spend (gasps) Christmases together. Oh. There you go. Oh, that's lovely. Okay. That's my conclusion. Uh, that's my
1: epilogue. Okay, and meanwhile, meanwhile, the dog is going to be starring in commercials.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And like, he's going to be
1: fed like proper dog food, like proper good, like food meant for dogs. Elsie understands met, it, yeah. dog nutrition. Like she's exactly. watched him
0: get yeah. stuffed full of full exactly for years yeah. now. She's Peasant not having stuff. it. Yeah. You know, so
1: there we go. Brilliant. On that note, I think it's time for us to give
0: some awards. I did not think of one because I was mm-hmm. busy serving king and country. Of course. And the justice system. So I'm going to think of one right now. Okay. Um, and it's going to be best, I'm just going to say best shot, Okay. which is the shot. That hit Sir William in the ear, mm-hmm. which we think came from Tom Hollander. at least he thinks that he accidentally shot Sir William in the ear. Mm-hmm. That's what he says. But I think maybe there was a pheasant with a rifle behind him yeah. in a bush.
1: Yeah. All right. Yep. Yeah. I agree. Totally feasible. Why not? You know what? And maybe he had, like, the and the pheasant had, like, one of those, like, retrievers, like, you know, to help him.
0: Mm-hmm. That's security. where the, that's where all
1: the hunting dogs went. Exactly. Um, my award goes to like totally, you know, non sequitur response goes to Dorothy, one of the mates when, so like Tom Hollander is like, it's like drowning his sorrows in, in jam, right? And he's, he's going on about like, oh, how do some people have all the luck? Do you believe in luck? Blah, blah, blah. And then she goes, I believe in love and like loving someone with all your heart and some stuff like that. I was like, what are you on, woman?
0: She might as well have just turned to him and said, I have a super big crush on the butler. And good for her because it seems to work. Yeah. He goes away and kisses
1: his wife. That's true. But I'm just like, geez Louise, lady. Yeah. So. She no. needs some outside hobbies. I know. And and he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to leave this right here.
0: You'll wash that spoon, right?
1: Okay, <laughs> yeah. Bye. So there we go. Well. Well. That's Gosford Park. So yes, go watch it. I, I am I'm very, very happy that you introduced me to it. and I thought Oh, it you're very welcome.
0: Cool. And if... You have any other hidden gems that you think we should know about and cover on the podcast? Please email us at fetch smelling salts at gmail.com or you can hit up our Instagram, send us a DM, maybe a GIF. Ooh, a GIF is fine. <laughs> uh, yep, yeah, that's my mm-hmm. preferred way to communicate. I hate and resent the written word. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can do that um, at fetch smelling salts. All right. Well, And that's all, folks. Okay, goodbye. Goodbye. It's all finished.